Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown presented by Mass Live. I'm your host, Chris Cotillo. In a minute, I'll be joined by Chris Smith, who covers the Red Sox alongside me at Mass Live. We're going to talk about one of the best weekends of the season for the Red Sox. We just took two of three from the Yankees. We saw on Sunday night Michael Walker shove for seven innings, Rafael Devers homered, and best of all, a two-hour, 15-minute Red Sox-Yankees game on primetime, which you don't see very often. Some reinforcements coming back for the Red Sox, not just Michael Walker, but also Kike Hernandez, Rob Refsnyder. Seems like Matt Strom will be back soon, Trevor Story, some other guys. So the Red Sox are getting healthy at the right time, about 45 games to go. Still an uphill climb to make the playoffs, but we're going to get into do we think they have a chance or not? And do they have a chance to actually break in and play October baseball or not? It's Tuesday. The Red Sox are in Pittsburgh and Chris Smith is here with me on the Fenway Rundown. We're going to get to a few different topics that uh, we have been talking about between ourselves, but felt like it would be good to bring into podcast form this week. Uh, Red Sox just took two of three from the Yankees over the weekend after a big one game series win over the Orioles on Thursday night. So the Red Sox here suddenly won three of four. They are, you know, not... Still not you know, very close to playoff contention, but they're still in it. And uh, on August 16th, being in it, I guess there's something to be said for that. So I'll ask you the question, Chris Smith. Do the Red Sox have a pulse at this point? Yeah, so I wrote it before. Um, I think I wrote it on uh, Thursday. Well, it was Wednesday when they, were, uh, when they lost their second straight to the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. I said, um, they have, if they're not dead yet, they might die in the next four days because they haven't been able to do anything against ALE's teams and they're about to play Baltimore and then the Yankees. However, they got the Yankees at a perfect time because the Yankees right. stink. Like they could, they didn't even score a run last night. Their offense is dreadful right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so the worst 30 games winning, over 500 team ever. The, by winning three. Of four, I guess that keeps them in it. However, it's difficult because you have, you know, several teams ahead of you. Um, right. You know, it's just not just one team that needs to, you know, do bad. And you need to do good. You know, it's like you've got, you know, Cleveland or you've got, uh, you know, Toronto in that last wild card spot. Actually, I think that the Rays and the Toronto Blue Jays are what tied for one and yep. two. They're tied. They're tied for two and three. <clears throat> Two and three, yes. And, you know, you got Seattle in, in that first spot. And so then you've got, like, so you have to be, you have to overtake, you know, Tampa Bay, Toronto, or Tampa Bay, Seattle, or Toronto, Seattle. And then you have to overtake Baltimore, 
Minnesota and Chicago. And if I was just the Chicago White Sox right now, I would um, fire Tony La Russa and motivate that team. And they would probably get it. They would probably be so fired up. They would get a, a wild card spot easily uh, because they have the talent, right? Yeah. Um, and they're, they're just a, a video that went viral that I was just seeing of a fan I, I, that's... screaming at him to put in Adam Engel as a pinch runner and it took a, <laughs> a fan in the eighth inning or ninth inning screaming at Tony and he actually did it. And uh, yeah, so that's, I guess where they're at. Like he was sleeping on the job and I did just see that video. However, you know, that just goes to the whole fact that they're underachieving for second straight year. Right. right. And like, if, if, you know, it, it happened with Toronto, like right after they fired their manager, it just gave that team a little bit of a jolt. Right. So if you do it, you got 40 something games left. I would think that that, that team would squeeze in and, and be one of the wild card teams, but it, because it, they've got the talent. Right. They always have. And, you know, they were the favorite <laughs> in that division heading into the year. If you look kind of around the, the teams that are, you know, right around the Red Sox in the standings, you're talking about the White Sox, who are three games ahead of the Red Sox as a team that should fire their manager. And the two teams right below the Red Sox in the American League standings, the Rangers, who are four and a half back of the Red Sox, and the Angels, who are six back of the Red Sox, they both fire their managers. Detroit, who is another underperforming team, uh, they fire their GM. Obviously, the Red Sox are in a different you know, boat than all those clubs, and I don't think Alex Gore or Heim Bloom are on the hot seat. We will get to that. Um, but just kind of in the American League, in that middle of the pack, you know, you're looking at a lot of teams that have already made big changes, but you're saying you know they're not dead yet. To me... It is that same issue. If you are, you know, seventh in the American League, you are or seventh in the wild cards, which puts you at, you know, 10th in the AL out of, out of you know, that group. I, I think the White Sox, they're not going to see again. Minnesota, they see for three more. Um, Baltimore, they see a bunch more. Toronto and Tampa, obviously, they play a lot. And Seattle, they're, they're done playing. But you have, you know, you're, you're three games back of the White Sox and the Twins. You're three and a half behind Baltimore. And you're, you're five out, you know, at, with... Um, basically a month and a half left to me it just feels like you know if it was one team you were chasing like you said you might have a chance to overcome five games in that span but to ask all of these teams especially these teams that are playing against each other you know that means one of them's going to lose as Alex Cora says right but also that means one of them's going to win on any given day and when it's such a crowded mix you know the math just just might not work out even though the Red Sox have you know played a little better lately so um, I'm not sure what the playoff probability is from fan graphs. I've seen it down to like 5% or something in that range in the last couple of weeks to me. Um, it just seems like unless they get really hot and Hey, they might have a chance here, three in Pittsburgh, uh, three in Baltimore. I know it's a team ahead of you, but it's a team that, you know, they're, they traded some pieces at the deadline. Um, I've actually played well since then, but it's a team that, you know, you should be able to at least, you know, go head to head with in these next, next six days on this road trip could be, you know, a valuable stretch for them to pick up some ground. Yeah, I mean, but you were the one that tweeted out it was good that they were playing a little league team last week, right? In, in Kansas City. In yeah, Kansas but that wasn't City. about I'd like to address that officially. That wasn't about I, that wasn't about Kansas City as an organization. That was about one inning where they threw the ball around and oh, the Red Sox okay. scored two runs. And of course, <laughs> there's Twitter's not the place for context. So I deserve all the egg on my face for the tweet. I went on Kansas City Radio donated to their charity, apologized. It was actually, you know, fun to hear from so many Royals fans at the end of the day, but um, it was about one inning. It was not about the organization. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Well, that's great. No, um, Thank however, you. they lost three or four, right. To right. The, uh, or to the Royals. And it's like, you know, but it was hot. You, yeah. You would expect 
that they would go in and, and win at least two of three. They need at least two of three, but they're more, you know, they're, they'd be better off to get three out of three here. Yeah. Pittsburgh. I mean, they Pittsburgh's not the, a good they team. Need, they need to, they need uh, to sweep, sweep the Pirates yeah. who are 45 and seven. And, you know, and that isn't a sure thing, you know, because we've seen them play well and then we've seen them regress. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I just don't know what to expect from this week. I think they're going to have trouble with the ALEs teams down down the stretch, such as, you know, especially Toronto and Tampa. Um, Baltimore's giving them trouble this year, so it should be an interesting weekend. Uh, we'll see. And, you know, I, I think that's a great point that, like, they are the type of team, at least in the last couple months, that has really fallen into trap games. You know, it's like you get in, you know, if there's a trap series in baseball, right? Like you take two of three in Houston and during a really emotional stretch, like you trade Christian Vasquez, win that day. You know, you make some other moves. Everybody's really stressed out. You win on deadline day and then you go to Kansas City, you know, probably feeling good about the team and you lose three or four, um, you know, or, or something like that. And then you you know, like this weekend, we're, we can all say it was a great weekend. They, you know, Fenway was fired up, close games. They held the Yankees down. I thought Sunday was one of their best wins of the year, the way Waka looked, the way that, uh, you know, Devers kind of broke out of his slump there. The you way can't you lose that moment. You could go home early. Yeah, two, two hours, 15 hours minutes. That was the best part. Minutes. Like, you can't, you can't lose that momentum now. What do you want to see? And, you know, let's, if we're both saying that the math is not there, that this is, you know, and then, you know, they they might have an, an outside chance to make it, but let's assume that they don't. What do you, Chris Smith, want to assess in these last six weeks? I mean, what, what is, are some of the things that stand out to you, you know, when you look at the future of this team and, and what you want to see? I assume uh, because you love this guy and have longer than it was cool, you want to see Cutter Crawford and see if he can continue, you know, being really good and kind of mark a place down the rotation next year. But who else is there? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I think that that's one thing, and it's like you you have to assess, you know, your starting situation going into the offseason. Do you yeah. feel like, you know, Chris Sale is, you know, even though some of these have been – this last one was a freak injury, actually, this last two because he broke his finger right. in. Last, well, they say last three, but we, we'll go with that I mean, the third, the third one uh, – the first one of those, this group is, you know, I don't know, but yeah. we'll, we'll just say the last two. So, yeah. So, um, like, I don't know if you can rely on him going into the year being like, you know, he's one of your starting pitchers. Well, they can bubble wrap um, him for the <laughs> offseason. Yes. So – you know, you look at it and you, you've got, you know, James Paxton, you've got Chris Sale, you've got Nick Pavetta coming back. You've got, you know, would they resign Waka? Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to cost you a lot more than a year and 7 million now though, I think. Yeah. So like, you've got, you've got, you know, the ability to have a good rotation. Obviously you've got, you know, Garrett Whitlock, like what's his future look like? You know, you've got, um, Bullpen. you know, Bullpen, What's that? bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. I mean, just uh, they need to just like stop the charade there. He's, he's just so much better out of the bullpen, especially if this hip thing's going to linger for his career. You know, like, I, just, I don't understand why. Why would it be? Why would it linger for his career? Because it's lingering now, and he he walks like a, a, an old man in the clubhouse after every game. I mean, yeah. all right. So, so what I'm saying is, is that you've got to kind of like establish what you got with some of these guys, like Crawford, Bayo different guys, see what you have for your depth starters, uh, even, if, you know, assess what you have, like the catching situation in the outfield situation. Okay. Right. Like what is Duran? Like, can you count on him next year to be a starter? Mm -hmm. um, can you count on Reese McGuire to be the backup next year? 
who's yeah. going to be your starting catcher. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think you can count on Reese McGuire to be the starting catcher. No, it's but someone who's not on the roster is, right now. Is he is McGuire your your backup or, or is Wong or you know Hernandez or something? Yeah. Um, you know, like you've got to assess the outfield situation where you know you've got to determine like you know like what's Rob Ruff Snyder, you know, like he's 31 years old, but mm-hmm. he's having his best year offensively. Good, good fourth outfielder for next year. I mean, is he a good fourth outfielder or is he, you know, a one year, you know, uh, what do they call that? One hit wonder type thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. know, like I, I maybe, maybe he isn't a good fourth outfielder next year, but has he figured it out? You know, and, and he can be a good fourth outfielder next year. You probably have to assess, Verdugo in right field defensively, whether he's mm-hmm. better than left, like then you can see, like you could bring in, you could bring Tommy Pham back if you wanted yep. to, to play left, but like, you know, you got, you know, so you have to figure out, like, you have to kind of like assess the outfield and decide, you know, like go into the off season with an actual plan because you're going to have to assign free agents in the off season and do some stuff. Um, some of their best outfield prospects are, you know, a ways away. Yeah, they're like, like they're like Miguel seventeen. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, it's it's a difficult situation, but yeah, you got to assess all that and and you have to just pay Devers, right? Yeah. Well, it's, that's coming at some point. Um, okay. So yeah, that's what I would do: catcher, starting pitching, and outfield. And I mean, obviously, they're going to need to redo the bullpen a little bit. But if you have Whitlock, you have Howick and stuff like that going into next year um <clears throat> you have schreiber yeah uh, you have some guys that you only have to add one or two guys and it obviously like it davis is getting, good enough yeah and it, and it helped like getting deepman's contract off the books because now you can you know they're the white Sox are paying all that money next year so now you can you know go out and get another reliever that you know you can trust next year and one interesting thing where, uh, you know, kind of an under the radar decision, I think that this is going to be, um, we'll see this tomorrow night. So Wednesday night, um, Rich Hill staying in the rotation, at least for now over Josh Winkowski, Winkowski is going to piggyback him. I mean, it's all semantics, I guess, who starts and who comes in as the bulk guy. Cause sometimes the bulk guy ends up giving you more innings, but would you like to see, well, first of all, what have your impressions been of Winkowski all year? And then would you like to see them, commit to him and, and maybe move Hill to the bullpen or how would you like to see them kind of go through that? Yeah. I look at Winkowski as, you know, down the road as you know, a fifth starter type guy, he, but you know, he might be, end up being more valuable out of the bullpen. I, you know, I am going to write something soon. I interviewed him about his contact, like the contact he allows and, mm-hmm. you know, putting balls in play and getting outs that way. He probably could, like his stuff is there where you think that you get a little bit more swing and miss and stuff like that. And that would help as both a starter or a reliever. So, um, you know, he'll, he'll probably not long if he struggles a couple of times, like they'll just put Winkowski back and see what he can do and, and put Hill in the, you know, the bullpen or whatever. But um, yeah, I would like to see more Winkowski. I'd like to just see more of him just, <clears throat> get some strikeouts too instead of i i know that he's he's like put the ball and play type of guy and he does get outs but i'd like to see more of like you know him using stuff to get some some you know swings and misses do you worry about them and rushing is not the right word because they but they've admitted that they needed him out of necessity bayo do you worry that bringing him up, having him struggle like that, and then getting hurt? I know it's a minor thing, and he's you know already back and was in Portland on Sunday. But like, do you worry that this little stretch of, you know, how after how dominant he was in AAA and Double A could hurt him long term that they rushed him up like this? 
I mean, they didn't really have anyone else. Yeah, and Himes, I understand then, that, but you know, yeah, point still uh, no, no, no. So like, yeah. So um, I don't think so. I mean, like he did pitch better in, when he came out of the bullpen. Who who started that game? I think it was Austin Davis was an opener yeah. on one game. I guess against Milwaukee. He did pitch night. a lot. He did pitch a lot better than that. Uh, the Houston game that he got hurt. I what he only record two outs or something, but yeah. I heard his stuff looked good. Yeah, uh, before the injury. Mm-hmm. So like maybe those last two gave him a little confidence and, you know, I, you know, like I could do it. I can, you know, I'm a major league pitcher and stuff like that. I already has a bunch of confidence anyway. You know, that was one thing that Katie Morrison mentioned and it's not, she's not the only one that I've heard that from. I heard from, you know, Cole Cottom, like, you know, Mm -hmm. he walks around with a lot of confidence and everything. And so, um, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Maybe he gets like, you know, I'd like to see him get more of a chance too down the stretch. Yeah, that's. I mean, he's a guy that do you pencil him into the big league rotation to start next year? I mean, probably not at this point, but if he has a good, you know, final six weeks in the majors, I don't think he's going to be in the majors. I think he's going to go back to AAA now that there's so many of these guys up. But um, yeah, that's probably correct. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you can, you probably can't pencil him in, um, you know, with what he's done so far into the like the fifth spot of the rotation. You know, another guy that's interesting is that I wrote about today is Brian Mata. You know, mm-hmm. like his stuff is right there where it was, uh, you know, pre-injury. I mean, his, his fastball is back. He's throwing the two-steamer, heavy sinker, slider usage. And, um, you know, he's the guy that, that could compete for a rotation spot next year in spring training. I'd like to see him maybe pitch one or two times, you know, towards the end of the year. Uh, so, you know, so there, there are guys, they're definitely like, I, I don't know. I heard on the radio the other day that their rotation is in shambles heading into next year. I yeah, that's that. not like, that's not correct. Like, and there's been a lot of false things that have been said, but <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I just look like they have some good depth. They just need to add, like, Heim needs to go out in the off season, and just add like pieces like he has in like, you know, what he did with Waka this, mm-hmm. this past year, what he did with Hill, you know, just add some guys that can, that are reliable because you do have your depth stars and you do have some, you know, guys that you should be able to, that should be able to pitch next year in, in James Paxton and, and, you know, Chris Sell too. Right. One guy that I think has been, you know, really <clears throat> taking headlines from for weeks now and has been uh, definitely an uneven start to the major league career to say the least is Jaron Duran. I know that you, love a lot of prospects and you're really high on a lot of guys that uh come up through the system and with him i felt like you never really really were um but i mean no one could have expected that the outfield play i guess could have been this poor for so long again they needed him out of necessity because they didn't really have you know other options they for some reason wouldn't put jackie bradley jr in center despite the fact he would have been much better um or i mean that might just be reshuffling the deck chairs on the titanic and moving jaron to right where he'd be equally as bad i don't know um, as Jaron Duran's time as the starting center fielder comes to an end, because when Kike Hernandez is back, which is going to be, as we record this, probably, you know, within the next couple hours, um, Jaron Duran moves to a bench role. It sounds like from what we're hearing at this point, no roster moves yet, but what we're hearing and both of us, uh, cause I've heard what you reported this morning is, you know, Duran will stay in the majors and, um, kind of as a bench player. I mean, how do you assess this guy right now? Like, is it, is he just proven that he, is not a big leaguer. I mean, it, people say, yeah, he's young and all that stuff, but he is like 26, right? Like he's, you know, 25, 26. Yeah. And I just, to, it gets to a point where you can either play in the big leagues or you can't. Um, the thing that I think 
as we kind of touched on earlier, that helps them is that they don't have a lot of that upper level minor league outfield depth. There's not a lot coming. So maybe his leash is a little bit longer, but uh, to me, it's just like, there's just too many holes in this game for him to be, you know, a starter in the big leagues. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I wasn't high on him, but I was like, you know, let's hold up with like the minor league stats here. You know, I knew what, like I've seen guys like Garen Caccini, who was absolutely dominant, you know, through double A and just, you know, couldn't do much in the majors. And then even fell off a triple A his, you know, when he went back down after his, you know, major league debut. And so, um, you know, I've seen guys just absolutely tear up the the minor leagues and just, you know, guys that weren't top prospects. And then, you know, you're like, well, can they do it in the majors? And they can. So, but you know, I think that it was probably, you know, center field, he he, he was a, a second baseman in, in college. They felt like the speed would make him into, a, you know, an above average type de- defensive outfielder, mm-hmm. you know, if he got the reads and stuff and yada, yada, yada. Um, his arm isn't great, though, as we know. And, and so I would think that he, if he's going forward, he's more of a corner outfielder, fourth outfielder. Yeah. Um, I just don't see him as the starting center fielder for the Boston Red Sox long-term. Um, right. you know, can he, you know, we, we talked about Rob Ruffsteiner is the fourth outfielder, you know, mm-hmm. Duran's probably a capable fourth outfielder. Um, <clears throat> you know, but he's probably a corner outfielder more than anything. I would say left field, but, um, you know, cause his arm isn't, is that great. And so, right. You know, I look at him and and I'm just like, um, you know, they need to make moves in the offseason to get starters in there. And like Fam's like, you know, we talked about Fam last offseason. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would have he been said he told the globe that he came close to signing with the Red Sox too. He would have been perfect, like, you know, kind of guy. Actually, I was thinking that the Yankees should have traded for him instead of Benetendi, right? Yeah. <laughs> he would have probably been better than Benetendi. He plays left field. Right. He hits like he He's hits been better some, than Benetendi, yeah. And he hits for power. I know he's not like a high average guy, but he does get on base somewhat. And he, mm-hmm. you know, he is, he'll hit for more power than Benetendi. So, like, they may, and the Red Sox had to, what, send a player to be named later for yeah, him? Yeah, they're sending and you he, for him. But the Royals actually, like, the Yankees actually gave, like, real prospects to the Royals to right. Benetendi. So, both, like, yeah. Both rentals, too. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like, you know, they probably would have been better off with Tommy Pham. But, um, you know, so you got to kind of figure out that situation. Yeah, the outfield to me, I think, is something that, you know, we talk about the bullpen's always kind of in shambles. We know the, the catching situation, um, you know, there's obviously going to be holes in the rotation with Evaldi and Waka being free agents and all that stuff. But the outfield to me is like you have Verdugo and then you have really nothing else uh, behind him um, in terms of controllable guys. And maybe oh, yeah, that's another thing that I keep hearing on the radio is that, that Verdugo isn't a uh, like they have no major league outfielders. It's like, yeah. well, what about Verdugo? And he's you know, fine. He's t- He's, he's had a he's bad good. year like, offensively. He's good. He well, you look at it though, and he has almost hit 300 since I think it was like I put it out like there since like yeah. June sixth or something. He's like 290 something, and you know, and and we did see a lot of bad bad luck, like balls hit hard and you know outs like at the beginning there. So that's neither here nor there. He is definitely a major league outfielder going forward, but he has, as you said, he's really the only one you can rely on going into next year. Yeah, and I think I, I see, you know, especially if, if you know, he is okay and proves he's healthy down the stretch. I could see Kike Hernandez coming back on a, you know, short-term 
kind of cheaper deal just because his free agent stock is not going to be very high considering how, how much of the season he missed and the fact he didn't play very well um, early on. I could see him coming back and the Red Sox kind of doing a buy low on him. Um, and obviously they like the versatility there. I do think Ref Snyder could be on the roster in the future, but you know, if they need to go get, go get some, some real major league outfield talent um, and, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, Jaron Duran, if again, I'm thinking saying we're closing the book on his, you know, time as the starting center fielder for the Red Sox. Uh, he's now played 82 games in the majors. That's a half season or a little bit more than a half season. 221 average, 630 OPS. And to me, the most damning number here, and it's like just an absolutely ridiculous stat, is that he has somehow nine stolen bases in that time. Well, it's, yeah, it's like, I mean, if you I, don't I mean, get on, if you don't get on base, you're not going to be able to steal. And right, but and he's so also like, afraid to steal. So, <laughs> well, that I was also talking to somebody else the other day, another media member. I won't name them, but they were saying that you know. He's not like he's fast, but is he a good base runner? Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like, so I mean he's great first to third, first to home, that type of thing. But like, you know, is he is he a base stealer? You know, I mean he's he's quick as anything. He's he's one of the fastest players that we've seen in the organization for a while. But yeah, can he steal but can he use that speed to steal bases? Yeah. And so far the answer has has been no, um, which is you know, kind of uh shocking because that's you know such as calling card speed so you know when you look at it the offense has not been there the base running's not been there the defense obviously obviously hasn't been i mean i hate to pile on the guy so much but it's just like you get to a certain point it's not a small sample size anymore it's it's over half a season and um you know he'll be it seems like on the major league roster for the rest of the year and probably in a backup role so you said and just to wrap up heading into this week you know you, the red sox need to sweep in pittsburgh um and then, you know, let's say take two or three in Baltimore. Do you think they need five wins out of these six games? I mean, how do you look at it there? Yeah, I mean, I would think five wins out of six games. I think they need to sweep, um, you know, definitely in, in Pittsburgh and two out of three would be perfect. And, in, in, you know, Baltimore, especially when they've, you know, struggled against ALE's teams, if you can win a second, you know, multi-game series in a row against right. ALE's teams, uh, a third overall. Um, you know, that would go somewhere. So like, yeah, I would say two or three would be good. Um, and they got the little league world series on Sunday, right? Yeah. Little league classic. So believe it or not, <laughs> they're not, they're not playing on a little league field, but it isn't William. Oh, Port. really? I thought that they were playing. In a little yeah. League. I'm sure well, they'll get, we'll get Twitter comments about that. Um, <laughs> after that stretch, there will be a very difficult one. You come home for three against Toronto, three against Tampa, three at Minnesota. Uh, it's how the Yankees will end August and, uh, begin, it's how they'll end August. And uh, so that is going to be a very tough stretch of nine games. Chris Smith will have you covered for most of those as I go on vacation. I'm not sure if you do that, but there you go. Um, that's Chris Smith. I'm Chris Cattell. This has been the Fenway Rundown. <laughs>